Hello and welcome to the Language Connection podcast, a listening resource for our students as well as a chance to reach out and connect to interesting ideas and stories from around the world. My name is Luke and one of the directors here at Language Connection Bolivia and my guests this week are Language Connection's other owners and indeed its founders. Some of our older students are sure to remember Miranda and most of our students will also be familiar with Joe. With Language Connection turning five years old at the end of the year, it's a good time to look back at the history of our English Institute. Why does Language Connection exist? How does it feel to run a business in Bolivia? Let's get started. Hello, Miranda and Joe. Hi. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> How do we know each other? I know you, Luke through York University Pantomime Society way back in the day. Probably, how many years ago was that? Like 10 years ago? More? more? Possibly more. Well, that's how we first got to know each other. But then you followed me and I kept trying to escape. <laughs> you could put it that way. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. So... You, um, I went to Tanzania and I posted on Facebook, does anyone want this amazing job on a farm teaching this, you know, kids from two families? And you said, yes. So we actually missed each other because I'd left when you went. And then I posted on Facebook again, maybe. Does anyone want an awesome job? In no, Bolivia? you messaged me yeah. directly and said, oh, how's yeah. Tanzania going? Do you want to come to Bolivia next then as a semi joke? And I took you up on it. And therefore yeah. that's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah, that's how we know each other. And I joined the scene a little bit later than that. So I, I Miranda, I think you and I met at teaching at an institute here in, in Santa Cruz, probably nine or eight years ago, right? So it's been a while. And then I was also, I, I met you, Luke, as well, that, that next year when you followed Miranda here. But I remember the first time that I met you, Joe, that you were in the kitchens. You were busy doing something and I just arrived from the airport with Miranda um, and I you were facing towards the counter where you were when you were cooking and it's like oh hi and I said nice to meet you my name's Luke and you turned around and said I know and that was the start of our friendship <laughs> Here we go. I, know. I didn't remember that actually yeah <laughs> What was the inspiration for Bolivia in the first place? Well, my originally, um, when I was in college, my roommate and his girlfriend and I would go backpacking pretty much every vacation. I don't think I ever went home for Christmas. Um, and one time we went to Peru and Bolivia. And so when we were here in Bolivia, I met my friend's, uh, at the time, girlfriend, now his wife's family. Um, and they invited me to live with them when I graduated. So I graduated that May. And I moved down here in June, stayed with them for a year, uh, liked it and never left. And Miranda, what was your draw to Bolivia in the first place? It was my goal to live in four different continents. So I, I'd lived in Europe, Africa, and I wanted to come to South America next. And I thought, where would be the most South American of all of the South American countries, like where is the heart, you know, <laughs> of South America? And it seems like it's Bolivia. I, I still think that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bang in the middle. It's got so much, you know, it's got so much culture and different kinds of foods and, and languages. And I mean, I just kind of randomly got a job and moved here as I do. 
And so we're all working together, uh, living and, and teaching in a, in a different institute. And like, as your goal, Miranda, is, it was time for me to go and see a different location because I wanted to go somewhere that you hadn't recommended just to prove that I could do things by myself. When, uh, when I was away, someone came up with this idea for an English language institute. It did indeed. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, did I mention it first to you, Miranda? You, yeah, I think you had yeah. wanted to do it for longer. You were, yeah. t- you were talking about it for about a year before. Yeah. Yeah, and for so sure. Then, yeah, so that was, yeah, it was, we, we had taught at, well, I had taught at two different institutes in the city and, and Miranda at one. Um, and we kind of, we decided that we really wanted to create an institute that really focused on the learner. Um, and we maxed out our class sizes at 12, um, really focused on qualified teachers. Um, and yeah, in 2015, I think we signed like the charter, the constitution. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, in January, we opened up and yeah, it was just Miranda and I as the two teachers. How, how were those days, Miranda, when it was just you and I teaching and doing everything? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> that was, I remember... I mean, everything was empty. We just had like three empty rooms and the reception and everything was echoey. I think half the time I was like stressed about like getting things done on time. And the other half of the time I was just like, what do we do? What do we like? What do you do to start a business? I don't know. (laughs) Do you just open random things on Excel? And then then, like, I don't know. How did those opening days feel for you, Miranda? Yeah, I I think, I mean, I think we were both like really excited and terrified at the same time when saw people coming up into reception, actually paying for classes. It was like, what are they doing? (laughs) They're giving us their money. (laughs) Help. Um, We better, you know, have some classes actually for them. Yeah. Yeah. It was always a bit awkward as well, because sometimes, for example, a receptionist wouldn't be there or she would be out, I don't know, uh, she would be away from the desk for a minute. So we'd have to walk out of a classroom to sit down and receive someone's money, put it in the register and then walk back into the class with that student. And so that creates an interesting dynamic (laughs) between teacher and student when you're actually literally giving the money to the teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Is the entrepreneurial lifestyle that glamorous? Glamorous, no. <laughs> I would say, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah, no it's not that. glamorous. No, no, it's a, rewarding. it's but, rewarding. It's a lot of not really knowing what you're meant to be doing, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of hard work and getting paid nothing, and yeah. <laughs> and just and just trying stuff out. I think that's what you're doing a lot of time as an entrepreneur. You're just like, let's do this crazy thing, and let's do that crazy yeah. thing, and see what works. And I think that that's, I think that sort of marked our uh, language connection a lot. I think we've always kind of been open to just trying new things. Um, And yeah, most of them work, you know, like, yeah. What were some of the opening challenges that you weren't aware of? Everything. (laughs) I mean, how fortunately we had some good help on the legal end. Um, We had a guy who would help us out with all of the paperwork and stuff. But there's just a lot of little things here, there, and everywhere that you got to sign and you got to, you know, get random stamps on documents. 
Um, so that was, that was different. Yeah, and I think also, I think one of the challenges was you don't know what processes and documents you need when you start to start a school. And so I think a lot of it, we just kind of talked about and agreed on and didn't have an official process for at all. But then when you came along, Luke, it was like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> you guys, like, there isn't a process or actual information about anything. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah, it's because we just know it. But that doesn't work beyond <laughs> Just you did a good job of standardizing things when you came. Yeah, in. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I come in after a year. I don't want to skip ahead too far um, because I think there's loads to say of, of kind of the first year. What did you think? So Language Connection is about to turn five years old. What did you think Language Connection might have looked like in 2020, back in, 24, back in 2016? Well, I'm going to field this from Miranda. If you remember, in the original business plan, we had a three and we had a five-year plan. And the five-year plan was to open an institute in La Paz. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, honestly, I think we could have done it if there hadn't been a pandemic. Um, <laughs> I think it would have been possible. Um, but and a revolution. Not, yeah, and a parasitical. And a rash. <laughs> yeah. A political revolution, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to count it that we were, we were on track. Now, whether or not we would have done it had everything remained stable, I'm not sure, but we probably could have. Um, so one sure. day, yeah. <laughs> one day, is that still, I don't wanna, I don't wanna tell the world the secrets of um, strategic planning of language connection. Do you think the strategic plan is to survive right now, Miranda? Yeah. <laughs> it's really transparent, <laughs> survive. <laughs> what did you want it to look and feel like, Miranda? as you were developing Language Connection, looking ahead? Yeah, I think that is something that was really important to both of us. I think we wanted it to feel like you, when you stepped in the doors, you were, you, it's like, well, that's the, that's it, like you, like you're, like you are abroad. So you step in the doors and you hear people speaking English, you hear this, like, you know, different, um, it's a chance for students to imagine what it would be like to be in a university or an institute or a job or anything in another country to give them that bridge to um, studying somewhere else. So I think that was really important. And also somewhere that just felt friendly and really homely um, and where students were welcome and they were taken care of and listened to. And yeah, you know, cause you wanna, if let's face it, you know, if you're getting up at 6 a.m to come and study or if you're going to study after work and you're exhausted you want to go somewhere nice and you know with with free coffee and comfy chairs and you know where there's someone friendly saying hello and how are you like that's otherwise you're not going to be able to do it It'd be too sad so i think those two things are really important what would you have done if language connection had failed did you have a backup plan, Miranda? No. Yeah, I think like, oh. it's just, <laughs> just. I think you have to just go all in. We just went all in. Yeah. Like just everything we had, all of our energy, just mm. and and we could do that because you know we were in our twenties. We don't have any kids. We don't have any dependents. You can just do something Crazy. absurd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you can. Because you can. And I think I didn't know at the time 
the chances that new a new business will fail because most businesses fail right I didn't know that <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't know that because <laughs> I think it would have been harder to to go all in like that I think yeah. we had a I, I think we were kind of riding a wave of in Santa Cruz a bit and I think the market yeah. itself was kind of primed for us as well so I think when I when we started I really didn't uh, yeah I really didn't think it was going to fail yeah, like I said, we definitely didn't do everything right from the beginning. You know, we made tons of mistakes along the way, but we still, you know, were able to do it. And I think a big thing as well, too, because well, originally Miranda and I and then, and then Luke as well, I think that we all kind of were willing to do what was necessary. Um, mm. And that, you know, yeah, and that's a big part of it, right? <laughs> it asks a lot of you. Um, do you want to divulge where you were living? Me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I was, I was living in a, it was actually quite large, but it was a walk-in closet. <laughs> um, so yeah, why not? I guess the whole world knows now. Um, so we had a big walk-in closet in the house that we were renting for the Institute. And it was just wide enough to fit like a double mattress in the bottom. Um, but there was like a little step right before you had like the, the racks for shoes and things. It was like a little step. And so the mattress was um, laying across this step that had like a divot. And so my mattress, I had to replace after a year because it was basically broken in half <laughs> because it was just dipping the whole time. <laughs> so, when your mattress isn't comfortable, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it, was, it was like a half a cylinder. your living situation wasn't much of an upgrade on that Miranda yeah I was living in the dependencia or like the the um the maid's room I guess you would call it in English um <laughs> I had I had a friend's old dog bed so it was, it was she was like Sounds yeah my dog worse. my dogs used to use this but I've upgraded my dogs so you can have it for free. <laughs> so that was the bed I was sleeping on. It, ha it had Mickey Mouse designs. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And this wasn't yeah. temporary either. This was a year and a half. Oh, no. A year and a half on that bed in that room. It was so small. Yeah. Space. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You just, you just go for it. And language yeah. connection's always been a little bit strange with its times. Because we operate outside of working hours to allow students to come in, it meant that waking up at 6 a.m. every day was to go to class and was relentless. But then you're not going to end your classes until 9 o'clock at night. We were directors and teachers, and kind of teachers and a half in some ways because we were covering so many different classes that the days were long. There were 15, 14, 15 hour days. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Get up at what? 630. The, the fortunate thing is living in the same building that that really, you know, having no commute time helps. Um, but yeah, they were they were long days. Because we would be in the classroom for probably nine hours. We had morning classes then in the afternoon at the beginning from 230pm to 9pm, like straight through. And so that was, that was cool. Yeah, and I remember us having business meetings until 11 p.m. at night sometimes. Yeah. 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 And then you have to get up at six. And, I mean, what would you say is the most hours you've spent in a classroom in one day? What's like a max that you've hit? 
I mean, if we did what a six to seven, we had at the at the beginning we had six to seven fifteen, right? It's an hour and a half or hour, hour and a quarter. Then two thirty to nine is what six six and a half. So that's seven forty five, and then some random privates in the morning, probably nine to ten hours. Yeah. I know I've done eleven on one day. That's the max I've oh, that's That wasn't regular. Funny. That was slightly yeah. more than normal, but eleven in one day. It's just like okay. <laughs> I remember, I remember I used to, um, I used to do sometimes four starter level classes in a day. Oh man, yeah, the, so the I was type of class makes such a big difference. Yeah, so I was literally like really slowly saying the alphabet. <laughs> four, four, so that's four classes over an hour and a half. That's six hours a day of like, e. Uh, <laughs> And you just come out of those and you're like, oh. <laughs> like the bloodshot eyes afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Squinting in there. Yeah. 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 And um, when you look back on that first year, would you say the first year was the most stressful of the of the time you spent in, in language connection? Yes and no. It was definitely the busiest, right? Because literally we were doing everything. Um, but again, I don't know. I just you get this. Kind of, I think at the very, very beginning, when we had two students, like the first day, that was super stressful. But then beyond that, you get this like adrenaline rush that kind of really pushed us through about two years. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you don't, I don't think, I, I don't, I didn't feel stressed because I wasn't really worried about it. I, I, I thought that we were going to succeed, but you're just exhausted and kind of, <laughs> yeah kind of between the dream and the real world for about for a long time you know it comes at a cost but it is coming there was always exactly. i think there was always that i think it was well founded yeah. that like and i mean i shared that belief too because i wouldn't have joined you if i didn't believe that you guys were, were doing well and, and would continue to go well so how does that balance though because you've got you're doing everything um and but there aren't that many people at the beginning, but as more people become part of language connection and that's both students and staff that you take on, that becomes a new level of responsibility and a new level of stress because if language connection failed just for me, I'd be like, okay, well, I tried my best. I'll take care of myself and, and find something else to do somehow, somewhere. But when you are responsible for somebody else's job, who's doing a good job, who you mm. think should be kind of uh, working there, it's another level of responsibility and ownership, right? So as soon as you've left the early days behind, you've now got extra dependence uh, to, to yeah. take on. And your dependents have dependence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is like, yeah, you really feel, wow, if I don't do my job well, yeah. people yeah. will lose their jobs. And I like that, it's just an awful thought yeah for sure what did you do with your first paycheck when you finally got one how how do you mind saying how long after how long after did you get your first paycheck i think after i think it was three months in that we accepted a, like a 300 dollar payment and that was i think it was six just, months was it six i think it was six uh, months i think i don't yeah. know if we took anything that first semester yeah but then, like I said, the first pay was $300. And that was literally because I, have no, I had no money and I had to make a car payment. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so that was, yeah. Yeah, a few hundred bucks. And literally, I think it all went to my car. Um, I think I was on fumes from, from whatever savings I had had beforehand. Um, 
Yeah. You weren't even allowed to treat yourself to something nice of just going, it's been six months of hard work plus the planning time that went in. I can finally do something. No, no. It was, when did, yeah, I don't, I, it's all kind of a blur now, honestly. <laughs> but I think maybe after a year, I think we were on, especially because we weren't paying rent, right? And so I, yeah. I think after a year, we were on a wage that was like survivable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the lesson there is you have to have built up a, a cushion before trying something like this because the, the risks are both of your time, your sanity, and, and also your finances because you've got to live beyond your means because your new way of setting it up is going to take time. So it's not just the sacrifice of those initial months, which are difficult enough in themselves, but the time you spend beforehand doing the extra work, building up some level of savings to be able to take on something that is a risk at the end of the day. Absolutely. Because you're not only, yeah, like you said, you're, you're, you also have to put forth the initial investment in the material things, like in the structure of the infrastructure of the, of the, of the company. And then you have to have a cushion on top of that to survive with a very low income for a while. Because contingency is always going to hit you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Always. Always. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you say, Miranda? You don't know what you don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's a really big, it's a, it's such a clear sentence lesson. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. Like <laughs> there are tons of stuff that you don't know, but you don't know it. <laughs> so take it slow, pay attention to as much as you can, but you're never going to be completely right. Yeah. And so that I come in after a year, um, I say hello. And, and I remember, <laughs> I remember coming in and feeling like, okay, they've, they've really got something here. I remember when Aww. you drove me into, in, in up through Avenida Barrientos to get to, to get to the space itself. It's like, that's what your investment has bought you. It's like, whoa, this is a nice house. This looks good. Um, and so at this point, three bedrooms, three classrooms, um, all set up. And then I think my first class was a travel English class and it had three students in it. Um, and I, I remember having one class in the morning. This was just one class in the morning, one class at night before the, before the new semester had started. And I remember being kind of nervously excited, but it's like, no, I don't feel like I've got enough time to go home. I, I like, <laughs> I've got to be doing things. <laughs> and so I spent the whole day just like uh. walking around in circles, just accom- like accommodating myself to just get, okay, this is how things are. <laughs> um, <laughs> how much can I like, this is their baby. I know I've bought in, but this is their baby of, <laughs> of what's going on. It's like, I remember the first decision I was given in language connection was if a cork board can go portrait or landscape <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> and because we feel like you made really... the right choice. That was, I did that was because really it went... the whole reason we brought you in. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I nailed that decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, very funny, very funny. No, I feel um, like you really screwed us over, actually. Way. Um, <laughs> no, I remember. Like, I was in. This is in Wolf, your classroom, Miranda. Um, and one of you was saying one, and one was just saying the other. I'm like well, I guess I get to be the king baker here. And I symbolized I putting, that. putting the crown on. I think I sided with Joe on this one. It was, yeah. <laughs> I feel there was kind of a moment where suddenly we were working ahead of ourselves. And rather than being mm-hmm. suddenly kicking to like get your head above water, like we're now planning to see what's actually coming to hit us rather than living in the present, trying to live in the future slightly. But I don't think that came until like language connections third year two and 
two and a, two and a half, three year around there where it felt like, okay, I can breathe because we've been doing this for a little bit now. Like we can, a task that used to take us an hour now takes us half an hour or something like that. And suddenly you can, you can reinvest the rest of that time in something, in something new. Does anything come to your mind, Miranda, of something you'd do differently? Um, again, I mean, I think the crucial thing is when you make mistakes, you just go to the other person or the other people and like, oh, I made a mistake. This is what I did wrong. And then you'll figure out together how to fix it. Um, that's how you, like you said, that's how you learn. And not the, the problem is when you start making the same mistakes repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and not figuring out that it's a mistake um, and not wanting to, or not wanting to admit it or, you know, something like that. That's, that's the whole process. Right. But <laughs> probably the books. I remember I persuaded Joe that we should give all the books away for free in the oh, first yeah. semester <laughs> without, without knowing at all how much that would cost us. I just thought it'd be nice. <laughs> and after we'd given away like a hundred books, realizing that there was no way we could afford that. So um, that's the thing where I was like, oh, I should have should have calculated the cost <laughs> i remember calculating the cost once i got here in the first semester it's like wait what <laughs> but i'm going to expand a little bit on what you said as well miranda um i think that that what you said there when you make a mistake and you go and you talk to the other person and you figure it out i think that's a huge thing and i think that's something we really benefited from because we were the only two Right. Yeah. And we already knew each other and we came mm. from the same background. We had a similar way of thinking about things versus mm. if we had gotten like an investor or something, that third party, I think really could have gummed up the works. Um, yeah, at I agree. The beginning. And so I think that that was one thing that we did really right is that we decided we did all the financing at the beginning. You know, we, we made all the investments at the beginning. Mm. Um, I think that definitely pays off on, in the in the long term is just not necessarily in a financial way because we haven't received any of our <laughs> initial investments back yet, but whatever, <laughs> uh, one day. Um, but as far as control over um, the company goes, as long as you can create the, a company that you enjoy going to work for um, and providing the yeah. opportunity for someone else to go and, to go and work for is... Yeah, is, I, think, I think that's a great thing about language connection. It's true to who we are. And it's true to what we set out to do. We haven't compromised on the things that really matter to us. I feel. I agree. Um, and it's not about the money. It's not about, <laughs> it's never been about becoming rich or being teachers. It's always been about, let's just make something really cool and make something that benefits people. And, and hopefully other people will see that. And I think they do. I hope they do. Yeah. yeah and I think our teachers are the same. I think as, as, yeah. I think we know that if, if we were in this for the money, if we were in the teaching English for the money, we would be working in a different country. We wouldn't be in Bolivia um, because the <laughs> markets are totally different. Um, yeah. I've taught English in, in China and earned more money than I do now. <laughs> um, but that's not really what it's, it's not what it's about. Yes, you definitely have to respect money. Definitely, you have to be able to look after yourself and create a base. But after that, I don't see money as the as the huge driver. It's it's just a medium uh, to get what to get some of the things that you want to do. It's very important, but it's not the priority. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 
And I think our teachers see this too, because when we hire um, teachers, I'm, I'm very upfront with them and say, we're a different market. This is, this is Bolivia, this is South America. And, and this is how a thing will look like. We are able to offer a comfortable lifestyle for our teachers on, on the wage that we give them uh, based on the cost of living here in Bolivia. And usually how it works is that a teacher can uh, live comfortably here and save enough to travel at the, uh, at the relevant holidays compared to if you go to the Middle East or Asia and you can live comfortably, go out whenever you want, travel and come home with something for your savings account. Um, and that's the, that's the difference. And so our teachers make that choice too when they come here um, to say, no, I want to be in Bolivia. I am also seeking a, a life of what Bolivia is, is able to give you, which is an element of freedom. Mm. The freedom to do projects like making language connection. I think as well, I think people here really, especially when they, I think they come here looking for an experience like you did, Miranda. Um, and then I think that they, I think that you, when you, especially in Santa Cruz, when you first come here, you just kind of immediately feel comfortable. And so I think that that really reinforces their decision. Um, so they come here and then they like it and most wind up staying beyond their contract as well. Um, and I think that says a lot about the, the people here and, and sort of the culture. Um, yeah, it's a good place to live. Yeah. So tips on starting a business. If I'll start and then you can add to it, perhaps. Do it with somebody else who has the same you values know. as you. Yes, that you know. Yeah. <laughs> that you trust, un like basically unconditionally. That you trust uh -huh. that, that has, has the same um, way of thinking as you. Because mm -hmm. if you have different ways of thinking, both of your ways might run successful businesses, but not the same one. Mm -hmm. What would you add to that? Don't have a don't have anybody else involved <laughs> yeah. like only people that you know, you know, and that you trust. Um, yeah. Don't bring in anybody who's only investing literally and figuratively in this is um, for money is that's dangerous. Um, so yeah, you want somebody who's going to be in it with you. Who's going to be putting in work with you um, rather than somebody who just wants to get a dividend. I would say you have to know the need out there really really well like we were i think we were only able to do what we did because we understood the santa you know santa cruz and we understood what what people wanted from an english institute uh, you have to understand that and you have to know that you can meet that need which sounds really obvious but yeah that's it's what essential I would say. just yeah don't don't go into a market that you don't understand and Miranda, you're studying a business master's right now. Um, I am. What has, yeah. has the master's told you anything that you should have done for language connection? Or like that? I, yeah, um, I, think, I think a lot, I learned that a lot of the things that we did by instinct were right. Um, a lot of the things that we did because we thought it was the right thing to do were actually the right thing to do for the business. Uh, you know, being nice we we i think we a lot of the time we were just nice because it's nice to be nice but actually if you want a business that people want to be at then you should be nice but i think i think some of our listeners if they've had you as a teacher if they've they've uh listened to us before or hearing your voice for the first time in some years what are you up to now and uh oh, i am in the US, I'm in Salt Lake City in the US, and I'm doing my master's in business. I'm more than halfway through, and I'm also working for a company called Twinkle, 
um, who brought me on as their, it's, I'm the ESL segment manager. Um, and it basically works out that I'm a little business of one person, but within a big business, if that makes sense. <laughs> so um, Twinkle is an educational publisher and they have resources available online and um, all kinds, all kinds of tools that teachers can use. And it's my job to show it all off for to um, ESL teachers around the world and also make new resources and games, uh, which is probably my favorite part of my job. Yeah. And they're a cool business to work for. I think like a bit like Language Connection, they're very missional. The, the guy who started it, it, like he just likes cool projects and, and wants to grow them. So thank you for your time today, guys. Any final words you want to share with some students, Miranda? Oh, no, I just oh, I want to send them all a big virtual hug. Hope they're, hope they're all doing well. And Joe, I think we'll talk again uh, about the masters that you're doing. Very cool. Yep. Sounds good. Oh, exciting. Right. <laughs> good stuff. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you to Miranda and Joe. And thank you for listening to episode three of the Language Connection podcast. If you are interested in learning English with us, or if you know someone who is looking for English classes, then get in touch. Our WhatsApp is 78496717. We're Language Connection on Instagram or Language Connection Bolivia on Facebook to find out more about us and what we do. Until next time, I'm Luke and we'll see you next week. <laughs>